Hey everybody, before you listen to the show, two quick things. I hope you and your loved ones are safe, happy and healthy. Secondly, stop right now. If you haven't already, check out our free to access conveyance and service for mortgage brokers and estate agents. Mortgage brokers must check out our free to access services at the mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk including over 25 categories of mortgage broker tools. Stay well and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the MLC show for property professionals. I am your host Sean Rogers and I'm delighted to be joined on today's show by Kim McGinley of Vibe Finance. We are joined by the NACFB Rising Star of 2019. Please look away now, Kim, before I make you blush too much. And the New Business Excellence Awards Entrepreneur of the Year 2020. Kim, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm really good. Brilliant. Pleased to hear it. So we'll get straight in. Kim, can you tell us about your career, you know, sort of from school onwards, sort of what journey did you take and how, what led you to setting up Vibe Finance? Yeah, of course. So, gosh, I have to think back now. So when I was at school, um, I was actually quite into my drama and theatrical kind of singing, dancing, and all that lot. So actually, I left college or left school to go to college um, to study that and ended up finding out quite quickly, you can't just leave and appear on TV and it's quite a hard slog. So uh, being a bit of a realist, I fell, as with a lot of people, into the mortgage world. So first started off in a contact centre for Abbey National back then um, and ended up working for a mortgage brokerage. Um, in between that, I actually got my hairdressing qualification just to kind of diversify a little bit. And um, yeah, I ended up working for Interbay Commercial, who were backed by Bayview Funding in America. This is, goes back to around 2007. And as we know, um, that was literally just prior to the crash of 2008. So um, I started off as a lending manager and it was all in the specialist sector, which I found really, really interesting. Um, and then 2008 happened. Um, the company stopped it um, kind of trading. So I actually went away. I was pregnant at the time, had my family. And I had a phone call back in 2011, I think it was, from Interbay who were making a comeback under uh, being backed by One Savings Bank. And they said, would I like to come back as a lending manager? And after being out of it for so long, I absolutely jumped at the chance. So there I was back working as a lending manager and I used to look after brokers. So I got to know the brokers so, so well. And these are some really, really well-known guys and girls in the industry now. Um, had some really good relationships and I just got to a point I think I hit my 30s and I wanted something for myself something that I could work around my family um, and then I ended up going to Hampshire Trust Bank in London working part from home part in the office and yeah it, that is kind of an itch that I needed to scratch and it would never go away and once I get an idea in my head like vibe um, I just ran with it so I was lucky enough to work with some fantastic brokers Equally, there were some that weren't good. I could see that they weren't offering the service um, to their clients that, that they deserved, really. So with the experience that I had over these years as a lending manager in the kind of specialist sector, which is quite a niche area, um, I realised that, yeah, I could hopefully add some value to my own clients. So I took the leap of faith and here I am now. So I'm interested. So how does I always laugh at this because I, th I did this. And I, I, this is the question I'll ask. So kids, yes, family going into your 30s, 
obviously loads of qualifications uh, after your name. And then you decide, do you know what? I'll probably get more flexibility. Might even get more time by going out on my own. How did that work out? Uh, it's a work in progress. I'm not <laughs> going to do you know what? I'm there for when they need me. So I'm still there for school runs. I'm there when they first wake up. So whilst, yes, they go to bed, I'm working late. I get up way before the rest of my house and I'm getting stuff done. It's worth it for the moments that I can be there for that I would have missed had I still been employed. So it's a very hard, and it's something I will always say I struggle with, like a balance, but I mean, the kids know as well, and it kind of kills me to one extent, but if I'm with them and I have to answer a call, they know, like literally they're so quiet and they know that I work really hard for, for kind of where I'm hopefully gonna go. So yeah, it, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. <laughs> it's definitely not a nine to five. <laughs> no, definitely 100%, absolutely 100%. The, um... Where has been the biggest growth in your business in 2020? Um, you know, I've seen a lot in the market this year about, you know, uh, second charges, houses in multiple occupation, your HMOs, buy to let. Where have you seen the biggest growth this year? It's definitely been with people that are looking to add value to properties. So that kicks it into the short term finance, the refurb type products. Um, still huge demand for people that are buying standard resi properties and converting to a HMO. So that is definitely something that we haven't actually seen slow down. Um, if anything, people are doing more of it, but it's definitely people are buying to add value and to retain them. When We don't often get it where they're then looking to sell straight away. So um, as we know, the property game is a long-term one for a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's, it's in that short-term finance refurb area. Where do you think in sort of 2021 your biggest, where would be the biggest growth area, not just for you, but do you think in that, in, in that sector as niche as it is, where do you think the biggest growth will be? I think it still will remain there. Um, I'm hoping, and I, I do think that the stamp duty, um, the incentives at the moment, that will be extended past March. I can't categorically say that, but following on from furlough and everything being extended to keep the property market moving next year, I think they will need to do something like that. Um, which is incentivizing people to buy at the moment. So I still think it will be good. There will be a property dip at some point. Um, and I think we're all kind of expecting that, you know, house prices can't continue to go the way they are. Um, but again, I still think a lot of our investor and landlord clients are looking to add value still. So, and it's mainly the serious kind of investors, your portfolio landlords. So, I mean, they're in it as a professional business. So for them, they're taking advantage of what is going on at the moment and snapping properties up. So following on from that then, um, and widening this out, not just in your own sector, um, I'm quite interested in what people think could be, I'm not looking to be a miserable so-and-so by the way, but what would be the biggest concern for property and you know the mortgage broker sector as a whole, uh, even in residential, and sort of how people could potentially protect themselves about that? Because at the moment, everything feels a bit, temporary to me in that like you said you've got property prices going up you've got furlough going on which ends on the 31st of march you've got i think help to buy that's due to end on the 31st of march you've then got stamp duty holiday that's due to end around there as well then you've got brexit coming in as well and um, and also you see stuff in the press where one minute you've got banks saying we're really looking to get back to 90 percent plus lending although we don't want to be the only one to do that because we'll get knocked over by demand but no one's really revealed the changes they'll make to that because, you know, you look at people like Barclay Card right now, um, they're hammering people who are on like 15 grand available credit and shutting their accounts down, even though technically it's been one of their best customers. 
um, and they're crashing rates across the market on cards, which suggests that someone like Barclay Card, as an example, and, or a different sector like credit cards, they seem to be very concerned about the private sector and sort of people's debt levels potentially next year onwards. I mean, what 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 do you think is one of the biggest concerns possibly next year and beyond? And how how would someone go about either preparing themselves for that or or protecting themselves generally? I think preparation is key. Um, for any mortgage broker at the moment that you'll probably speak to, it's a tough industry to be in at the minute, and that's because of the continuous changes that we need to stay on top of in order to give the best service to our clients. So, you know, you've got people dipping in and out of the market, like you'll see all the time, especially in the regulated sector for, you know, first-time buyers with, with smaller deposits. So they are literally weekly changes, uh, rate changes, criteria changes. It, we're now prepping our clients a lot more at the outset for all of the documentation that will likely be required, which go back 10 months ago, probably wouldn't have been the case at all. Cases were kind of flying through a lot quicker than what they are now. Add to that the working from home, that's gonna continue into next year. I mean, I speak to lenders that aren't looking to bring people back to the office, um, or it's gonna be very much towards the end of next year. So adding that with record business volumes, which again, lenders are struggling with at the minute, the majority of the service standards have gone kind of down, communication's a bit of a struggle at the moment. So as a broker, we've very much got our work out on staying on top of all of that. But for any client, it and it's we've, it's funny, we get questions sometimes, well, I did a remortgage earlier this year and we didn't need all of this. This is a different world we're in and I hate to use that term, but it completely is. Um, so it's being prepared, staying on top of any documents, you know, your bank statements, It's it's, getting all of that ready at the outset will save so many potential delays. Um, but yeah, as a broker, it's gonna continue way into next year, staying on top of all of this. Um, so yeah. I think it's defo, I think defo is something to keep an eye out because I, I think what, what will be accelerated now, I think possibly two things. I think one, digitalization, um, not just in the sector, but as a whole, I think, I think, a People will understand that whoever can solve some of these problems in the simplest way could have a lot of fun and possibly be very rich. And I think that's the sort of character that will be, and also just the thrill, I suppose, of solving that issue. And I think, I also think a lot of um, different platforms and organisations working closer together will be one of the big things that you see as well, which will hopefully drive a bit of better efficiency and help some of the communication and onboard and things. Because like you say, it's funny in that, you could have the best onboarding process in the world and communication channels, but like you say, you're relying on too many other parties who may well not. And, on, and until, especially on the financial side of it, not so much clients, until that's a bit more streamlined. Like you say, the, the, there's definitely some challenges there. Um, touching as well on you know on the business and, and your role and, and your life, I was interested. What's what's the biggest you know biggest challenge to you in being self-employed and? working in the sector and kind of how do you overcome that you know it's um you know mental health in particular physical health as well you know without that you've got nothing so you know how do you um get past these challenging times and how do you overcome the challenges that you face on a daily basis i think the biggest thing that i've taken from this year is that whilst you can worry about so many things how i can i get through it now is that i can only worry about what i can change and what i can control um, mental health, physical health is a huge, huge thing at the minute. It's something I need to get better at, um, especially when you're working longer hours, which predominantly people are. 
Um, and it's having that balance, which is great that people are working from home now, but I think the novelty can wear off and it's very difficult when you're working from home to shut the door, that's your work done, because you need that kind of space and that family time to shut off. Um, for me, without a doubt, is still balancing this work-life balance, which is always going to be a struggle for any business owner, right? Especially when this year you're responsible for other people um, and their mental well-being and making sure the team are okay. So not only have you got the family aspect, they are pretty much my family, my team. And I know that sounds a bit cliche and whatever, but we're a really, really close team. So not spending that time together. I mean, Beth, who's my case manager, I don't see her anymore other than on Zoom. Um, and we're such a small office. We're still based in the office and from home, which I love. Yeah, but I do, we, we, you know, I love seeing people. There's only so much Zoom I can take. Um, and it does have its place, but I love that face-to-face -face interaction. So I can't wait to get to a point where we can kind of get back to that. I need that. Yeah. No, brilliant. Yeah, I think that um, it's funny, actually, again, probably, probably the biggest lesson I still work at every day, but probably the biggest thing I've seen in the last decade with me is definitely two things. One is if you're going to be at the party, be at the party. So I think like if you're going to go into work zone um, and it doesn't necessarily happen automatically for everyone, I think you have got a, a big believer in the mornings and at nighttime and actually almost visualizing and going, right, when I'm in that, that a bit like a, a, I had a great quote about someone who said is, um, who basically said that his um his father had a wall and knocked the wall down and said to his, his two boys, Will Smith being one of them, every day after school you're rebuilding that wall. And they were like, like we can't figure out why you even need it there. It doesn't need to be there. And he was trying to teach them that basic long story short, the lesson was you lay one brick. And if they didn't lay the brick perfect, it went down. So wind, rain or whatever, it was literally all your focus is on that one brick. And at some point you'll look back and go, oh, wow, like, where's that come from? You know, um, and I think, and especially with the kids. So if you're going to be at the party and I was the worst for it, like I'd be 50% there because your brain. So, you know, I think just taking the time just to even have 60 seconds to yourself to kind of go, right, the next however many minutes or hour or whatever it is is on that and it doesn't matter what's going on the other bit and compartmentalizing it a little bit and like you say the biggest thing for me as well i think for people is that it's mad the more work you've got and the more um family commitments and things you want to do for me it, it, it's as simple as go to bed early and get up really early and i just think I find that when you can do stuff in that 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. slot, and you see it all on the motivational stuff on YouTube and Instagram and, and, and LinkedIn now and all that kind of thing. But I do genuinely believe it. If, if, if you, it, once you've got out of bed and got into that little window, it, whether it's your exercise, your mental health, whatever you do in that five to seven window whilst everyone else is asleep, like it, it's points in the bag for me. And I think once you've got that kind of energy and that kind of, state about yeah everyone benefits don't they because like if i'm 10 out of 10 i'm high as a kite i'd like to think i'm a good bit of fun to be around and the people get the benefits of it um when my energy levels go to three i'm surprised that people haven't just bundled me up into a box and like shit me off basically because i reckon i'd be a right miserable so and so to be around so i think managing your state and your energy levels is deaf is, is is crucial to get through that um I mean, Vag Finance, wow. I mean, like, as someone who sort of admires you and Vag from afar, I mean, what was it like sort of 
creating that and, and building that as a as, a, as an organization I've absolutely loved the journey of doing it. When you have this first idea and this vision of what you think you'd like to have and to see it kind of come together in the way that it has has just been amazing and I loved it. Different is it how, from where, like in the, when you were visualizing it in terms of where, how different is it now compared to what you thought it would look like now? Or is it is it exactly the same? I mean, I, I, I thought to myself when I first did it, I'd love to win a trophy one day, just, I always used to go to these award ceremonies as a lender and I'd see all the brokers getting awards. And when I first did Vibe, I thought that was my goal. Maybe in a few years time, that might happen and I'd get out of my home office. And then, you know, the last two years has been a little bit of a blur. It's been a complete learning journey full of highs and lows. I think the thing about social media is it's amazing, um, but it paints the perfect picture, doesn't it? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I like, uh, I don't, I'll do another podcast, I'll do a completely separate podcast on that. I think it can be dangerous if you don't, if you go into it with your eyes wide open and realise that, um, you know, all of us have it, all of us have a need for significance, like it's one of the sort of, it's one of the main sort of Tony Robbins things that he works on, and there's a load of ways of getting that, but I think unfortunately we live in a world where some people think they can get significance from just fake stories, and, and people do it harmlessly in that, you know, if you went on Instagram, if I was an alien and I came down today and went on Instagram, I'll go, oh my God, everyone has got the perfect family life. Like these humans have got this nailed. And then I'd go on LinkedIn and go, oh wow, like everyone's a raging success. This is like incredible. And they're just taking it all in their stride. Like this is amazing. And, and reality is everyone's got the battles, haven't they? And, and that doesn't really reveal. And I do like to be honest on there. I do like to post if I've had a bad day, maybe, you know, what that might be. But still, you don't really get an impression of what it's actually like. So my first reaction like, when I meet people either online or, you know, as we are now, um, when they say to me, oh, my God, you're doing amazing in this. I'm like, but that's don't get me wrong. I mean, I enjoy it. It's been a struggle this year, but um, it's not. I always kind of have that reaction like, oh, you don't you don't see what goes on in the back. So, yeah, yeah, like you know, if um, totally, if, if I'm on the beach and I and I turn to the missing, go look at that fella over there. Like, look how fit and how fit and strong he is. Like, unless he's very lucky, that hides you know the 300 days worth of exercise and pain that the poor the poor so and so's put himself through when when I'm sat there with me beer and me burger. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us a bit about Vibe and, and, the, and the services you, you specialise in. What are, what are the key services um, and features of the business? Yeah, so I wanted to utilise my background in specialist finance. Um, whilst I appreciate there's very many brokers out there that deal with, they're kind of a one-stop shop, so they do everything, which is great. Um, I was very keen to start off in the niche area that I knew. Um, whilst a lot of brokers can say that they do specialists, it's more the vanilla type stuff. So with us, it's anything, you know, we, our kind of slogan is complex made easy. So there isn't really a case that we shouldn't be able to place. Um, so yeah, it's any type of investment kind of finance for vitalets, HMOs. I mean, there's no large, no, no size too small HMO that we can't do. Um, and that's also commercial units as well, semi-commercial units. So with PD schemes at the minute, we've got a lot of clients that are converting commercial units to residential. Um, and yeah, it's on term finance and short term. So bridging absolutely has its place at the moment. It's still extremely competitive um, and ground up developments. We've got clients that even through the pandemic, they've kept their sites going and they're purchasing more. So 
that's what we're focusing on the moment. I'm quite excited because we will be able to offer regulated loans soon. It's something I've been working on in the background um, because, you know, I think it's time now that we, we get so many inquiries that we can't face because we don't offer regulated. Um, and with my qualification, it's something that I can bring into Vive. And I think it's just another string to our bow. So yeah, it's exciting times for us. Um, but that's pretty much the areas that we've been focusing on so far. And apologies for putting you on the spot. And I don't need to go into any trouble at the next awards dinner you go to and the bar after. But what, what would stand, if someone's looking to, if I was looking to work with you and place work with you, why would I do it with you and not all the other people in the sector that I could go to, no matter how niche it is? What, what's kind of, what do you think, what's the, the unique selling point or what would be the key feature that you think, do you know what, I'm, I'm going to put it there because? I think the main thing for us is our lender background. Without we know how to present a case to a lender. For other, for other brokers, I'm pretty sure that it will be more of a tick box. If it doesn't fit with a lender's criteria, they move on to the next one. With us, we know what rules we can maybe bend, not in, not in a behind the kind of the scenes kind of way. We're very transparent and honest, and we've got some fantastic relationships now because it is a very incestuous industry. And a lot of the people that we used to work with, both myself and Kelly, they're now... Uh, we've got all these relationships and kind of in ways to other lenders now and they're really high up there so we've also got that extra when you need a bit more support we know who we can go to in order to get that and I think that without a doubt gives us an edge over possibly some other brokers that are out there I will be honest with you and my team will tell you I've got very high expectations and high standards so Whilst we're not a regulated broker, we are very much best practice. We know what due diligence to do upfront. Before a client pays a fee, we will be able to head off potential lenders because of the fact that we do our due diligence. Oh, there's a pub next door or commercial across the road. We get it checked out. Whereas I do hear a lot of stories where other brokers don't do that upfront. A client pays an application fee, valuation fee, it comes back and it's a decline. So. Our conversion rates are really, really good. But like I said, my team will tell you I'm a stickler for um, my expectations. And they, the standards that we offer are high. Uh, communication is without a doubt my biggest thing. Um, you know, throughout this pandemic, if you're not communicating, you lose clients um, and you lose those relationships. So yeah, I'm quite, I wouldn't say I'm demanding, but I've, I'm, yeah, I expect a high standard from the team. So, and I think that filters down through to our clients. Brilliant. And in terms of intermediaries, you know, there's a load of benefits there. What's, if I'm an intermediary, should I be worried about you cross-selling? Should I be worried about, you know, you know, your performance is going to reflect on me? Because if I'm saying to the clients, I, I think I know, I think I know somewhere I, I can use to help you. Um, how can you assure me that there's going to be no cross-selling on that, that it's not going to damage my future relationship with that client? We adapt our way of working to our intermediaries. So sometimes our intermediaries are absolutely, and it's a trust, isn't it? The minute a trust gets broken, the relationship falls away. And we do not want that to happen. So it's almost an assurance that we give our intermediaries. And it's a two-way thing um, that we will not cross-sell. So once they come to us and we've got intermediaries that we deal with week in week out for their clients they've built up that relationship with us now um so i think it's more of a trust element than anything else because other than that what do you base it on 
Um, but like I said, you know, if an intermediary would rather take the relationship forward with the client and we deal with them, absolutely fine. Sometimes with it being so busy at the minute, they'd like to know that they can pass the client to us and we will look after them as, it, you know, as if they would. So, you know, it, again, it comes down to kind of a bespoke package that we offer to our intermediaries. So 12 months time, we do a, hopefully not that long, but 12 months time, we're doing another interview. Yeah how what we, oh, we touched on the regulated area um where else would you like to see the business in in 12 in 12 months time what sort of targets have have you got or that your team have got in terms of either what you want to do with your existing services or the new ones yeah so again yes yeah, expanding into the regulated sector i would love to start building the team a little bit more so a big thing for me would be to bring specialist advisors on board and for that and it, again in a trainee kind of role would absolutely suit me it doesn't have to be someone from the industry but I think it's easier in a way to do that because they there are no preconceptions of what they should be doing or what our industry involves and I can almost mold them as to the way the vibe team need to be um, so I'm really excited to do that um, so I'd love to continue to expand the team there will come a point, I'm hoping, where I can take a bit more of a step back to work on the business rather than in it. Um, but I'd like to think maybe in a year's time that might be possible. Um, but I'd need the right team behind me in order to do that. So hopefully we can build on what we've got. Yeah, well, for what it's worth, you know, I think you're doing a great job at doing that anyway. So I think, um, you know, I, I've got no doubts that 2021 is going to be fabulous for you, but not without its challenges. Um, that's it for this week, everyone. I mean, thank you to Kim for giving up her time and being such a fantastic guest. Thank you for listening. If you want any further information on Vibe Finance, please check out the website. We're going to be putting some stuff out about them on social media. Um, we'll put the blog and interviews and everything else on the website as well, which is mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk. Please share and spread the word about the MLC Show for Property Professionals if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Obviously, hit us up with that five-star review if you can. And remember to check out all the products and services at the mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk. But more importantly, stay well and take care.